And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf, and joining me in the studio today is the Reverend Mark Diedrich, pastor of the PCA Church in Kingston, New York. Good to be with you, Dan. And also Dr. Hans Vogt, Associate Professor at Ulster County Community College. Pleasure to be here. Well, gentlemen, it's uh, great to have you here in the studio with us today. We have an interesting question that's come up, and it's dealing with the very essence of life, and, uh, and that is very simply this, is abortion wrong? And as soon as we mention that, certainly some people will get nervous, possibly, that are maybe just passing by tuning <laughs> today. And uh, we want to talk about various aspects of what the scriptures have to say about abortion, We want to address the teenage uh, person out there, possibly, who is pregnant with an unplanned uh, pregnancy today, Uh, discuss some of the facts, and uh, maybe first, gentlemen, we could just discuss how that we are created by God, and what is God's perspective regarding the human race and life itself? Yeah, that's an interesting question. People keep saying, well, what, what makes man different from the animals? Well, I think the Bible is very clear about that in, in Genesis one twenty seven, when it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And so the thing that makes uh, humans really unique is that we're created in God's image. That's what makes us unique from all the other animals. In the uh, Eastern Orthodox tradition, they really emphasize this idea. In fact, they tend to look at sin as being uh, a marring of that image of God, uh, a a blurring, uh, if you will, of that image of God. And therefore, that uh, repentance and grace restores you to the true image of of God. Mm. Uh, And so that's a very foundational element, not only for this discussion, but I think indeed for the Christian faith as a whole. Mm -hmm. And and in fact, the other thing is that's what makes... The taking of human life, innocent human life, obviously the Bible talks about justification for taking of human life uh, for reason. Sure. But to take innocent human life, in Genesis 9, it says that the person who takes an innocent human life, that person's life should be forfeit. What's the rationale? Because man is created in God's image. Mm -hmm. So if you take the life of a dog, even if it's cruel and nasty and you don't use capital punishment for somebody who's killed a dog even if they've been cruel to that dog and and things like that but if you take a human life that life is forfeit because the human life is created in god's image yeah i was reading a couple of verses here also from isaiah where it says uh, listen to me O islands and pay attention you peoples from afar the lord called me from the womb from the body of my mother, he named me, Isaiah 49.1. And another reference from Isaiah, a couple verses beyond that, it says, And now says the Lord who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him in order that Israel might be gathered to him, for I am honored in the sight of the Lord, and my God is my strength. So here is uh, God's care and formation of the very child in that womb, from the very beginning. And uh, is it safe to say, Pastor Mark, that um, the life really begins at the union of a sperm with an egg? Yeah, the Bible is very clear. The debate as to 
when does human life begin? Um, if you look at the Bible, Psalm 51, and David says, In sin my mother conceived me. So he's talking about the conception. Now he's not talking about his mother doing something immoral. That's terrible exegesis. I've heard that done, but it, it's terrible exegesis because after all, Psalm 51 is a, a psalm, a penitential psalm. David is owning up to his own guilt. Uh, he's not making excuses for it. If he were to say that his mother conceived him immorally, he's trying to shift the blame there. But David's not. Mm. What David is saying is that from his very conception, he was a sinner. Now, the question is, if he has moral culpability, is he a person? <laughs> Only persons have moral culpability. And if he wasn't a person, if he was a, an unviable tissue mass, he couldn't say he was a sinner. Mm-hmm. But if he's a person, then he is a sinner. I'm glad you brought up that line of thinking, because as I quickly did a little research for this edition of A Plain Answer myself, I came across a website where one gentleman was arguing that abortion is just fine from a biblical perspective. And so uh, we could talk even more about that later. Well, I see we have about one more minute before we need to take a break here. When you look at this from a scientific perspective, too, the more we study and understand the development of the fetus within the womb, the more we realize, in fact, people who look now at pictures, you know, ultrasound pictures, have no doubt in their minds that what they're seeing is a human. Um, At day 22, the heart begins to beat with the child's own blood, Mm -hmm. which is often a different blood type than the mother's. By the fifth week, the eyes and legs and hands begin to develop. By the sixth week, brain waves are detectable. Mm-hmm. Uh, by week eight, every organ is in place, and the fingerprints are beginning to form. Uh, by week 11, the baby can grasp objects placed in the hand. And by week 17, babies are having uh, REM sleep, that is dreaming. Mm. Uh, so it's very clear uh, that what we have in, in the womb is a, is a human being. Well, that's excellent, and uh, what we'll do is we'll continue this thought as we come back, particularly this idea of um, modern technology and seeing the pictures and what we can see now in the womb, etc. Stay with us now. We'll be right back. You're listening to A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. A little child she could not afford This beating heart could not be ignored A heart that was beating inside So near to her own She made a choice to place this life In the arms of a husband and wife Who had been praying that God would provide A child for their home A choice for love A choice to give She chose to set aside her rights So a child could live She understood there was a price And she embraced the sacrifice When she made a choice for love, a choice for love. 
choice to risk her life so her babies might be born alive. The odds that all seven would live were never that great. God would reward their faith and resolve. They trusted Him each problem to solve. They knew that the author of life would not make a mistake A choice for love A choice to give They chose to set aside their rights So a child could live understood there was a price and they embraced the sacrifice when they made a choice for love a choice for love we'll be right back with our program in just a minute Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, Our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. Made a choice in Gethsemane to give his life for you and me. When he prayed, Father, thy will, not my own. His life fulfilled its highest worth, his sacrifice bought our new birth. The right to stand before God at His throne A choice for love A choice to give He chose to set aside His rights So that we might live understood what it would cost and gave his life upon the cross when he made a choice for love a choice for life he understood what it would cost and gave his life upon the When he made a choice for love 
Yes, he made the choice for love when he made a choice for love. A choice for love. And welcome back. You're tuned to a plain answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf, and joining me in the studio today is the Reverend Mark Diedrich, pastor of the PCA Church in Kingston, New York, and Dr. Hans Vogt, associate professor, Ulster County Community College. Today we're talking about life, and we're addressing the whole question of abortion. And uh, gentlemen, before we broke, uh, we were discussing a little bit about modern technology and pictures and how that uh, we can actually see so much more of what's in the womb today than we could, let's say, 40, 50 years ago. You know who walked by the studio today, and I didn't mention it before, and that's Jeremiah Diedrich, Pastor Diedrich's son. So, Jeremiah, it's it's nice to have you right here in the studio with us. And, Jeremiah, during the break, you mentioned how that uh, there's great hope for people uh, in life, including ladies that are going through a decision, possibly facing an abortion. And I want to take a break even right now. And, Pastor Mark, I think you have some telephone numbers there that you could share if someone right now needs help and needs a counselor. Right. If you're in a crisis pregnancy, in this area especially, there's a New Paltz Center Mm -hmm. uh, that can help you. And that number is 845-255-8242. And if you're in the kingston Saugerties area, there's a number there, and there's a center there that can help you, and that's 845-246-5445. Now, if you're out of this area, if you're listening to this by streaming, just check around. I'm sure there's probably a crisis pregnancy center that is near you, and Mm -hmm. they'd love to help you in the situation. Yeah. Years ago, uh, when this Roe v. Wade decision came down, what was it, 1973, fellas? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, later on, um, the person that was uh, initially involved in this, McCorvey, I believe her name is Norma, Norma, Norma uh, McCorvey. McCorvey. Later on, she becomes a convert to the Christian faith. And she writes uh, in a book called One by Love, illustrates how that all of a sudden she realized what really is going on. She says, I was sitting, and she mentions a place, an office, when I noticed a fetal development poster. The progression was so obvious. The eyes were so sweet, it hurt my heart just looking at them. I ran outside, and finally it dawned on me, Norma, I said to myself, they're right. I had worked with pregnant women for years. I had been through three pregnancies and deliveries myself. I should have known. Yet something in that poster made me lose my breath. I kept seeing the picture of that tiny 10-week-old embryo, and I said to myself, that's a baby. It's as if blinders just fell off my eyes and I suddenly understood the truth. That's a baby. I felt crushed under the truth of this realization. I had to face up to the awful reality. Abortion wasn't about products of conception. It wasn't about missed periods. It was about children being killed in their mother's wombs. All those years I was wrong. Signing that affidavit, I was wrong. Working in an abortion clinic, I was wrong. No more of this first trimester, second trimester, third trimester stuff. Abortion at any point was wrong. It was so clear, painfully 
clear, unquote. Yeah, that whole situation there. One of the things to understand with that, uh, of course, Norma McCorvey was part of the court case of Roe versus Wade. That whole case was predicated on a lie. Norma hmm. McCorvey was pregnant. She did not have an abortion, but uh, it was also stated that she was pregnant through a rape. Mm-hmm. And that was to get sympathy. She was not raped. She knew it. Her lawyer knew it. They lied through the whole case. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so you, you always have to say, if your whole case is based on lies, what kind of case do you really have? <laughs> and not only did uh, McCorvey have uh, the baby, but the, the other case, Doe versus Bolton, decided yeah. at the same time. The woman in that case also had her child. And in fact, she did not want a lawsuit to be brought uh, her, she was used uh, in that case against her will. Have we seen things like this in the past? I mean, this is, you know, relatively recent history here in the United States. I'm sounding like an, an old man now, 1973. <laughs> uh, but, you know, in the course of events, world history, uh, that's relatively recent. Have we seen cases like this in the past where societies kill their young? We have, and there are still societies today um, where this goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look specifically at uh, abortion in the U.S. context, we need to understand that it grew out of the eugenics movement of the early 20th century. You're using a big word. Maybe you can help some of us understand what sure. that means. The term eugenics was coined by the British uh, scientist Francis Galton, who was a cousin of Charles Darwin's. And uh, he coined the term, it means good birth, uh, literally. And what eugenics was meant to be was the supposedly scientific study of human heredity, but with a purpose, with a goal. And that goal was to scientifically breed a better human race. And the way to do that, of course, is the same way we breed better livestock. That is selective breeding. Only allow the best, Mm -hmm. the fittest in Darwinian terms, uh, to reproduce and to prevent the unfit from reproducing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this was very widespread in the U.S. and in Great Britain and uh, in other European countries uh, in the early 20th century. Eventually, of course, it made its way to Germany and, and the Nazi regime in Germany took it to its ultimate uh, extension in the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. But when you look at the, the first birth control clinic in America, was opened by Margaret Sanger in Brooklyn, New York in 1916. And, of course, she's the founder of the organization that became Planned Parenthood. And okay. it was specifically for eugenic purposes. Here's what she wrote. We are paying for and even submitting to the dictates of an ever-increasing, unceasingly spawning class of human beings who never should have been born at all. Oh my. Birth control, Sanger said, was meant to weed out the unfit and prevent the birth of defectives, the dead weight of human waste, poor, blind, deaf, mute, epileptic, feeble-minded, mentally ill, Hmm. diseased, prisoners, prostitutes, and alcoholics. Oh my. Those are her own words. And lest you think I'm poisoning the well, and that's all in the past, the modern... Day Planned Parenthood touts abortion to get rid of those babies that have genetic disabilities. So mm. eugenics is still very much part of what this is about. You know, something just came across the Redeemer broadcasting desk here. I mean, days ago, uh, we got a mailing from one of the politicians or something. Uh, I printed it out. Where did it go? Here. I, right here. There it is. Yeah. What? 
This had something to do with Planned Parenthood. Okay, it was Assemblyman Cahill, I believe. Yes, meets with the representatives from Planned Parenthood of the Mid-Hudson Valley. And so uh, this is just another example of um, pro-death politicians getting together with Planned Parenthood. They clearly have an agenda wanting to help Planned Parenthood. And I'm just shocked when I see something like this. I don't know about you guys. Well, we need to understand, too, what, what Planned Parenthood, who they target. Their core clients, in their own words, are low-income women and women of color. Yeah. Uh, really? Poor women, yes. yes. Poor women are three times as likely to have an abortion. Uh, African-American women, uh, abortion rate triple that for white women. Oh, my. Uh, in fact, uh, 37% of all abortions are by African-American women, 22% by Hispanic women, and 34% by white women. So the majority of those babies that are aborted are uh, low-income babies, babies of color. Uh, hmm. This is not just infanticide, but this is still uh, infanticide of the people that Margaret Sanger wanted to get rid of. Hmm. Yeah, that's that dirty little secret. Margaret Sanger was actually a racist. Oh, Absolutely. Well, let me just uh, get back to uh, some scripture here for just a moment, because we may have some people tuning in that are uh, almost shocked by some of the words that we've been mentioning and concepts here today. We want to focus for just a moment about uh, the love of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a quotation I'm reading. It says, Jesus demonstrated the love of God for children, often during his ministry. Mm-hmm. In one passage, Jesus took a child to him and sat with him. He said, See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I say to you that their angels in heaven continually behold the face of my Father who is in heaven. Matthew 18.10 And then the author comments, Jesus tells us not to despise or look down upon the least powerful and significant by human standards of humans. It is ironic that the most helpless humans are those inside the womb. Of all the risks that we must face in our lives, the most dangerous place we can be is in the womb, since fully one-third of all human babies are aborted in this nation, over one million every year. Mm-hmm. And then he mentions a statistic here. He says greater than 98% of all abortions are done for non-medical reasons, and I believe another website said that that was at 93%. So whatever the number, it's an exceedingly high number of abortions being done for non-medical reasons. Yeah, we have a lot of abortions taking place. It mentions a million a year. That's a probably pretty good statistic since Roe v. Wade mm-hmm. is a million a year. I know there have been years when it's been almost a million and a half, and there have been years when it's been lowered. Uh-huh. I think the latest I heard was that it was on the upswing again. It had been low for some time, but it's on the upswing. It's just sad to see that. And I think the statistics at this juncture is in America we have had something like 50 million abortions. Now, if That's we stand and look, we, we look down our nose at the Nazis in Germany for their slaughter of, mm. of 10 million innocents, but yeah. 50 million. That's that's one sixth, yeah. approximately, of our population of the United States. That's, or that's so. yeah. That's a a shameful. It is a shameful statistic. It is, and so we we just uh, publicly ask God's forgiveness to put that number in maybe a little more perspective. 
Every year, more unborn children die from abortion than the number of Americans who died in the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, World War One, mm-hmm. World War Two, Korea, Vietnam, combined. And that's mm-hmm. every year? Every year. That's every year. Yeah. That's a remarkable statistic. Gentlemen, believe it or not, it's already time for wrap-up thoughts for this edition of A Plain Answer. Uh, today we're talking about abortion and uh, what the Bible has to say about life. We also want to remind you that um, we are not casting stones in this broadcast. Uh, we're just covering material as it comes to us. In fact, that one email that came to us was unsolicited from a politician. We shared that with you. And uh, gentlemen some wrap-up thoughts, and particularly some hope for those that are embroiled in a situation and they just need help. Uh, What can we say to that person today? First off, I would say again, if you're in a crisis pregnancy, go seek the help of the Crisis Pregnancy Center. I think I should give those numbers again, don't you, Dan? Yeah, please. Yeah, for New Paltz, 845-255-8242. That's 845-255-8242. And that's the New Paltz Center there? That's the New Paltz Center. And then the Saugerty Center, which would take in Kingston, is 845-246-5445. All right. 845-246-5445. I also want to add, I know there are probably any number of listeners who may have already experienced an abortion. Mm. You know, the big thing is Jesus Christ, when he came, he came to die for sinners right. such as you and me. You know, uh, he died for, for all those sins. There is no sin too great that he did not take care of it on the cross. Amen. And I would just encourage you to come to him because he certainly can forgive. I mentioned Psalm 51 earlier. Psalm 51 is David's prayer of repentance after he had not only committed adultery, but had committed murder. Oh, good point. So there is hope. Absolutely. Dear friend, there is hope. We have a God who forgives, a God who loves, and a God who receives as we repent Mm. before him as he draws us to him. Hey, gentlemen, we're out of time for this edition of A Plain Answer. And uh, I think what we'll do, God willing, is next week we'll pick this up again, this topic concerning life and uh, discuss it a little bit more. Joining me in the studio today has been the Reverend Mark Diedrich, pastor of the PCA Church in Kingston, New York, and Dr. Hans Vogt, associate professor of Ulster County Community College. Thank you so much for tuning our way today. Please join us next week at this same time for another edition of A Plain Answer.